1: wants to feel good come on we all want to feel good and sometimes we get in this thing and you know the band's playing we get all tingly and oh the lord must be here i'm all tingly and i feel good and somebody does something and wow we all get wowed because something happens and we all get tingly and feeling good because that's what we want right we want to feel good certainly if we feel good the lord's here right that's got to be the only way he is here if we feel good because i know he's not here when i don't feel good that's not scriptural
0: As nice as it sounds to live a life free from worry, heartbreak, or struggle, it's simply unrealistic on this side of eternity. As Pastor Dave will teach you in his message today, we would do well as believers to steer clear from any teacher who would say otherwise. In his study, you'll be reminded that although we do indeed suffer, Christ is always with us. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 8 as he continues his message, The Counterfeit Revival.
1: Miracles do not save you. Miracles open up a pathway to Jesus Christ. Miracles open up a pathway to see Jesus Christ because he's the one responsible for the miracles. And people aren't being saved by miracles. The miracle happens when God opens your heart and you receive God's word. But Satan had a man in his corner. He had a man that he wanted to carry out a little plan that he had devised. He said, we're going to take care of this revival. i got my guy, plan it right there. I'm going to use him mightily. Look at verses 9 to 11 in the book of Acts 8, chapter 8. But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in this city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. We're introduced to Satan's man. We're introduced to Satan's counterfeit. His name is Simon. He's known as Simon the Sorcerer. Sorcery, basically, is magic. and According to Webster's 1828, it, it's an enchantment. It's witchcraft. It's divination with the assistance of evil spirit. It's the power of commanding evil spirits. So this is what Simon does. And he's good at what he does. Everybody loved him. They, they followed him. And because Simon had this power of sorcery, he was able to amaze people with the things he did, and therefore, people believed what he did, and they followed him. And they followed him. There's several things worth noting here. Several things first noting. First of all, Simon claims that he's someone great. Right away, that should ring a bell in your head when somebody says, I'm pretty great, aren't I? Enough of me talking about me. What do you think of me? When somebody starts telling you how great they are, there should be a bell going off. And then wait a minute here. I want to know how great you are. I want to know how great Christ is. Because Christ is the one we're supposed to talk about. But Simon says he's great. Bobby tells everybody, has everybody convinced that he's great too. But look at this, what do we call that? Pride. You know, the scriptures have a lot to say about pride in the heart of a man. A lot to say about pride in the heart of a man. Let me throw a couple of them at you. Proverbs 13.10, fr- by pride comes nothing but strife, but with a well-advised is wisdom. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16.18. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Proverbs 29, 23. 1 Peter 5, 5, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There's a problem here. Simon's prideful. Look what I did. Look what I can do for you. I did all these things. I must be great. But Simon has the Samaritan's buffaloed. They think he is the power. His power is from God. Not only do they think his power is from God, the Scripture says they believe his power, he is of God. Some of the scholars believe that Simon was actually claiming himself to be Almighty God. Some of the scholars say that the way the wording reads is that was he was, he was telling them. Where else would the Samaritans get this idea but from a very prideful, conceited person telling them how great he was. But look at the contrast here between a counterfeit servant of God and a true servant of God. It can be found in the book of Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 5, when Paul says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or with wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be of the wisdom of men, but the power of God. Look at the dichotomy. Look at, look at the difference here. You got someone saying, look how great I am. And Paul saying, hey, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm the least of the apostles, but look what God has done for me. He doesn't point, Paul never points the way to his self. He points the way to Jesus Christ. That's our job. That's what we do. We point the way to Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't looking for himself to be raised up. He wasn't looking for notice. Paul only wanted to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. I only want to see in you Christ and Christ crucified, the cross. That's all I want to see in you, Christ crucified. Paul never claimed he had God's power. He wasn't claiming to be someone All he wanted to see the Corinthians do was come to Christ and follow Christ in a very, very hard way. Simon won all the attention of the Samaritans. Simon thought he was something because he did signs and wonders in this enchanting thing and his, his magic. You know, for some time, Simon was the only game in town. Everybody hated him and they were astonished by him. Nobody came near him. He wowed them with their sorceries, his tricks, his dog and pony show. Simon's power and saucer were energized by Satan. Satan used Simon to magnify himself and magnify Satan. It's a sad commentary that there are pulpits all over the nation as we speak today where that is happening, where people are putting on dog and pony shows, where people are using lights and mirrors and smoke, and a very, very watered-down mix of the gospel and it is drawing thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Never mention the S word. Don't say hell. Don't say those bad words. It's a watered down gospel. I call it the gospel. Not really the gospel at all. It's watered down. It's make-believe. But there's dog and pony shows going all over the place. And why are they happening? So men can draw people to themselves. Because they're following a man. They're not following a Savior. They're following a man in a pulpit and not a Savior. And you, my friends, my beloved, my brothers and sisters in Christ, I do not want you to follow me anywhere. I want you to follow me only as I follow Jesus Christ. He is the one to be lifted up in this church, and Him and Him alone. I am just a mouthpiece for the Lord. He is the one that we exalt. He is the one that we give glory to, and He is the one that we give praise to. This is His church. And He can do with it whatever He chooses to do, and we will follow Him until He comes and retrieves us to His own. And no man should be lifted up here. No man. Except our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. He is who we lift up. And He is who we praise. But everybody wants to see this experiential religion. I want to experience this. Because you know what? I want to feel good. Everybody wants to feel good. Come on. We all want to feel good. And sometimes we get in this thing, and, you know, the band's playing. And we get all tingly. And, oh, the Lord must be here. I'm all tingly, and I feel good. And somebody does something, and wow. We all get wowed because something happens, and we all get tingly and feeling good because that's what we want, right? We want to feel good. Certainly, if we feel good, the Lord's here, Right? That's got to be the only way he is here is if we feel good. Because I know he's not here when I don't feel good. That's not scriptural. Where's the scripture that says he never leaves us nor forsakes us? Where's the scripture that says that he's with us all, even through our time of trouble? Where's the scriptures in that? But we need to feel him. And so we have this great service, this great revival service, and everybody feels good, and everybody leaves going, woo praise the Lord. Man, this is great. We all have that tingling feeling. We come back the next week, and what? guess what? It's like a drug. We want more. So we got to hype it up even more. And we got to make it all more crazy and more. So we get, oh, now we're really getting there. And then we all go, well, you know what? We can't do this anymore. Oh, But they're doing it over there in, um, in Wildwood. Yay, we all go over to Wildwood. Yeah, but they're doing it up in Ocean. Yay, we all went up to Ocean City. And then we find ourselves out here and out there and out there and out there looking for experience, 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 and we're getting it. And we can never get enough because It's flesh. Because it's all of the flesh, and the flesh never satisfies. And because you come one day and don't feel that tingly feeling, you sit back there and cry, God doesn't love me anymore. I don't feel tingly. He cast me away. I lost my salvation. I don't feel tingly. Well, I'll pray for you, brother. Maybe if you just had a little more faith, God would come back and visit you. We laugh. This is happening in pulpits all over the nation today as we speak. Right now, people are being duped by counterfeits. People are being duped by people who are standing before them, and they're a man with frailties and fallacies. I'm but a mere man. My favorite line is, that if I haven't made you mad yet, or if I haven't disappointed yet, hang around. I don't want to. It's not my life's work to disappoint people and make people upset, but I am a man, and I am human, and I have fallacies. Christ will never disappoint you. Christ will never let you down. Christ will never, ever cause you to cry. But we will. They travel hours to see the latest fad. They travel, travel hours to get touched because that's where the blessing is, and I've got to have the blessing. Too many churches are falling into these traps. To grow spiritually, you need a diet rich in the Word of God. You need a diet rich in his word, that's choice, things that you can chew on. You start out with the milk as a new believer, and then you go to the meat. As you become more spiritual and more knowing of his love, you go to the meat and you start chewing on that meat. It's not based on experience. It's not a diet of cotton candy. If you eat cotton candy all your life, you will never get strong, and your teeth will fall out. You will not be strong by eating a diet of cotton candy. You can have all the sweets you want but it will not make you strong. The only thing that makes a Christian strong is the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing the Word of God is the only thing that makes a Christian strong. The true Word of God, the whole counsel of God, not just nuggets and tidbits. The Word of God. And that's what the revival is based on. The revival is not based on Philip's miracles. It's not based on Philip. It's not based on anything. It's based on the Word of God. Why? Why? Because Paul said, it's the power of God to salvation. In verse 12, we see Philip preach something different than Simon. He preached something different other than himself. He preached Christ and Christ crucified. He preached the kingdom of God. He preached the name of Jesus. It says, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, both men and women were baptized. See, only the word of God changes hearts. You know, this, this day of change that we would love to see people stop having abortions, the only thing that's going to prevent them from having abortions is them knowing and trusting in the true living God, Jesus Christ, and the truth of what He does. He changes lives, He changes hearts. And for those poor, poor, misguided individuals... Who have had abortions? They need to be loved back into the kingdom of God. They need to be taught that there's somebody that they're important, and God loves them, and God died for them. And they shouldn't be shunned. They shouldn't be pointed at. They shouldn't be disgraced. They should be welcomed back into the family. They should be nurtured and taught God's word because God is a God of forgiveness, and He loves them. That's what that's what Philip's preaching. This is the results of solid Bible teaching—a revival. The results of solid Bible teaching and preaching. People believe. People were baptized. Why were these people drawn? Because it's the power of God to salvation. This is a true power of God. Philip came with, by God through the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a counterfeit power. It was real power. More powerful than anything they had ever seen. Simon thought he was upstaged by this Jewish refugee from Jerusalem. How dare this guy come in and upstage me? When he was really upstaged by the Almighty God himself. It was God Almighty that was upstaging Simon, not a man. Simon saw all his followers now leaving him and going towards Philip. His star was fading fast. Wait a minute. Hey, guys, what about me? Yo. Dog and pony show. Cotton candy. Yo. They were leaving. They were going away. They tasted meat, and it was good. They had true meat for the souls, and it was good, and it satisfied them. Why should I eat cotton candy? I only want more. No, I eat the word of God, and I'll be satisfied, and I keep devouring it. But Satan had another plan. Satan had a plan. He had it all worked out. Don't to worry, Simon. We got this made, pal. Don't worry about this. We're cool. We got it all made. He had a brilliant idea. He whispered in the old, in Simon's ear, Simon, it's the oldest trick in the book. If you can't beat them, join them. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll join them. That's what we'll do. Yeah, we'll become one of them. Cool. Good job, Satan. I'm on the ball now. Look at verse 13. And Simon himself believed. What? And he was baptized, and he continued with Philip. And he was amazed, seeing the miracles and signs and wonders. What? Simon believed, and he was baptized. Whoa. Way to go, Simon. Way to go. He believes. He's baptized. He becomes part of the movement that's sweeping across Samaria. He's following Philip everywhere he goes. He probably has his notepad every time Philip does a miracle. That's a pretty good one, Phil. You going to explain how you did that later? Okay, cool. Probably writing down all these things in his little bag of trick. Simon saved. Yay! If it walks like a duck, if it talks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, it's got to be an aquatic bird, right? It's got to be some kind of an aquatic bird. To be counterfeit is to assume the appearance of something, to be false, to be hypocritical, not to be genuine. Remember, we said that the counterfeit Christians, they had a form of They had a form of godliness, but it was superficial. Listen to this description that Paul gives his beloved son Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 9. Listen to this description that he gives Timothy about these type of men. He even says a form of godliness. Listen to it. He says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutals, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power. Timothy, have nothing to do with them. David Guzik, who is a commentary guy, writes it up and says, having a form of godliness but denying its power, in our self-obsessed world, people feel like they have to have a salad bar religion. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. And they pick and choose. They feel free to be very, very spiritual. But they're never biblical. Oh, they're spiritual, but they're not biblical. Yes, there's counterfeit Christians out there. But what is our responsibility in regards to these counterfeit Christians? Are we to hunt them down and expose them? Are we to point them out and say, there they are! There's the counterfeit Christians! Let's go get rocks and stone them! Going back to the parable of the wheat and the tares back in Matthew 13, the Lord tells us don't do anything with them. The Lord says, I'll take care of them. The Lord's going to take care of them. The Lord's going to gather them up. The Lord's going to take care of them. Then what should we do? What should we do? Well, we started this morning. We need to examine ourselves. We need to examine ourselves. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Paul tells the Corinthians church to do what? To examine themselves for what? To see if they're in the faith. Examine yourself. It's your job. Yes, you have a job to do. Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith, if you're following correctly Jesus Christ, if you're doing what is biblical, if you're not just a hearer of the Word, but you're a doer of God's Word. And you're sharing God's love. Are you following what is biblically written here? And if not, why not? Examine yourself. Go back and see if what I'm saying here is true. Be a Berean. Check the Scriptures to make sure that what you're being taught is truth. That's your job. David cries out to God, to the Father, in Psalm 26:2, test me, O Lord, examine my heart to look at it. Have you done that before, God, to make sure that you're on the right path? to make sure you're not following one of those great big giant crowds down that broad pathway? Or have you been narrowed out? Are you now on that narrow pathway? Sometimes the walls get a little tight, but you know, you're on that narrow way. Our goal as Christians is not to weed out the tares. Our goal is to do everything possible to teach the truth so that the wheat will know the difference and the wheat will be prepared. The tares will be powerless against the wheat. You know, I'm very limited. I'm very limited in my ability to judge between Christians and non-Christians. Why should I try? I can't. The Lord instructs me to leave them alone. I'll take The Lord says, I'll take care of them. I'll take care of the counterfeits. What about our friend Simon? Where did he place his faith? It says he believed. Was he truly converted? Was he truly a man of God now? He was baptized? He looks like a duck? Or... Was he one of those certains certains of Satan masquerading as a servant of righteousness? I'll give you a hint. The title of next week's message is The Counterfeit Exposed. Read ahead, verses 14 through 25. See what our friend Simon comes to. When it comes to salvation, and the reality is the only person that you know is really saved is you, yourself. Have you made a profession of faith and a relationship with Jesus Christ? Was it a true profession? If you're trusting in another Jesus other than the one found in the Scriptures, you're a counterfeit Christian. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4, Paul tells us the gospel message that can be found in the Scriptures. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel that I preached to you, which, is also, which also you received, in which I stand, in which you were also saved. If you hold fast to the word that I preached, unless you preached in vain... For I delivered to you, first of all, that I received. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried and rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. If you're believing in the Jesus in the Bible, the one that died for you, the one that was raised on the third day, the one that is seated on the right hand of the Father, if you made a profession of faith, if you confessed your sins, why? Because Paul tells the church of Rome, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes in the righteousness, and with the mouth, a confession is made to salvation. If you've done that, if you've done that and allowed the water of the word and the blood to wash you, the Apostle John declares, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've done that, if you've stood before a most holy God who demands holiness, and you've declared yourself a sinner, I am a sinner, and I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't do it by myself. Have you made that profession of faith? Have you allowed Christ to wash you clean by the blood that he exhibited on Calvary? Do you examine yourself on a daily basis to make sure what I'm hearing, what I'm doing is biblical? Don't be a counterfeit Christian. None of us want to be a counterfeit Christian. Nobody wakes up the next day and goes, I think I'm going to fake everybody out today. That's not what we want to do. We want to be real. I want the truth in my life. I want you to have the truth in your life. I want you to know the truth because if you know the truth, you're set free. And free indeed. You are freed by the truth. You're set free by the truth of Jesus Christ. And I know you want it. I know your heart wants it. And it'll change your life forever. Will it take away all the bad circumstances? Probably not. Is there a chance that the circumstances will get worse? Probably. But will Christ be with you in the midst of the circumstances? Absolutely Will you have joy in the midst of the circumstances? Absolutely. Will you have the peace to know that your Redeemer lives and that one day you will stand with Him and be face to face with Him when He calls you home to His glory? Absolutely. Don't be a counterfeit Christian. Be real. Be real. And let God love you with all His heart and accept that love and be true to Him.
0: Our time with you is running short for today's edition of Assure Hope. Pastor Dave will continue this journey through the Book of Acts when you join us next time. But for now, you can listen to this teaching and others from this series online at AssureHoperadio.com. We'd encourage you to download these messages so they are available wherever you are. We know how busy life can get, but there's always a time to pause, even if only for a few minutes. Those short breaks could be filled with the study of God's Word and the uncovering of treasures from its verses. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, gaining access to the latest messages as soon as they're posted. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come join us for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel Cape May meets weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. And we offer nursery and Sunday school where your children will be well cared for as they learn about the love of Jesus. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Acts. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you'll discover Jesus working in your life. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this New Testament book right here on A Sure Hope.